welcome to season five of the Presently Engaged podcast. This is where you'll find short, friendly, Jesus-focused encouragement to live intentionally right where you are. I'm Mandy Pollack, and I'm really glad that you are here. This season, I'm adding something new. The first part of the podcast will have a devotional thought sourced from life as always. Then we will end the podcast with a scripture reading. I'll be reading the English Standard Version of a passage. This will give us the opportunity to center our minds on Jesus and our hearts on his word. Because lives will change as we engage with God's word. I'm cheering you on as you live purposefully right where God has placed you. Because you, friend, you're making a difference. Once upon a time, when all was perfect and right and beautiful in the world, God planted a garden. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Genesis 2.8 In God's perfect creation, in his idyllic world, was there something that made Eden distinctive? The whole universe was the expression of his creativity. The entire world was his palette of beauty. What made Eden special? In Eden, God placed the pinnacle of his creation, man and woman, made in his own image and reflecting his very likeness. There, in the cool of the day, God himself walked. The God of ultimate creativity and majestic power created the world with the breath of his word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, and it was so. For all that was so, God saw that it was good. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Verse 7 of Genesis 2 signals a transition in verbs. God has been speaking up to this point, flinging stars into space and lofting birds into the skies with breath and a word. But then God formed man from the dust of the earth. He planted a garden in Eden, and there he placed the man and later the woman that he had formed. After the creation, after making man, God planted a garden. The first vocation in the Bible is gardening, and it was done by God himself. God is a gardener. God grew every tree beautiful to look at with good fruit and good shade. Sin enters the scene wrapped in the snake-like skin of temptation and withering all it touches. Adam and Eve take and eat, then find themselves excluded from the garden. They grow pain and sweat instead of beauty and goodness. The curse's shadow spreads across the earth and all of time. But God, but God made himself into man. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He stepped into our world. He obeyed. He humbled himself. He took on humanity, took on sin, took on the cross, took on death. God is dead. Where does one bury the corpse of God? In a garden. John 19.42 says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, 
they laid Jesus there. Outside the camp, despised and rejected of men, burying all of humanity's sin in a brutal execution, forsaken by his own father, Jesus died next to a garden. But Sunday is coming. We've heard the story huddled around our parents and teachers as children. Jesus' mother, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene had watched as they laid Christ's body in the garden tomb. They came back early on Sunday morning, planning to add spices to Jesus' body, planning to weep, planning to mourn. But the stone had been rolled away and Jesus' body was not there. Mary Magdalene, beautiful and faithful hero, ran through the garden to tell Peter and John, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Exhausted and emotionally raw and confused, Mary Magdalene wept. Where was her Jesus? Listen to John 20, 14 through 15. Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Full stop. Mary thought the resurrected Jesus was the gardener. Why? Of all the people to assume, why the gardener? (laughs) Was Jesus pulling weeds? Was Jesus training vines? Was Jesus grafting branches? The first day of Christ's resurrection in a glorified body and the conqueror of death and hell, he was mistaken for the gardener. Or perhaps he was recognized for what he actually is. The site of Christ's sacrificial death and substitutionary atonement? Next to a garden. The site of his tomb? A garden. The site of Christ's conquering of sin and the grave where death died and God arose? A garden. The first place he was seen after his resurrection? A garden. Hebrews 10.12 tells us where Jesus is now. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Ever wonder what it looks like? Revelation 22 gives us some clues. There is a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. Sounds a lot like a garden. An urban garden, a heavenly garden. We started this story in the Garden of Eden. Jesus said it plainly in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Throughout scripture and history, we see God gardening. In a new heaven and a new earth, we see that God plants heaven in a garden. Maybe gardening is a holy vocation. It must mean something to make green things grow, to prepare the soil and turn over the ground, to plant seeds and nourish life. Where is your garden? May we be mistaken for the gardener serving where we are called, and loving where we are placed. Join me as we read Revelation chapter 22 together. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who washed their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. It's a new year with new adventures. You may feel like your future holds far more question marks than exclamation points. Life Purpose Planning is a 10-lesson course that helps young people define and fulfill their individual God-given purpose and calling as they engage in life-changing service and prepare for world-changing impact. It's a tool for young world changers wondering, why am I here and what should I do about it? And it's a tool for parents and mentors who are looking for a way to intentionally pursue, understand, and support their high schooler or college students' dreams. 
Find out more at lifepurposeplanning.org and go change the world.